Welcome back, y'all. This is podcast one of season four. Um, This is actually my fourth year. So four years ago in 2017, when I was pregnant with my daughter, um, I conceived the idea to do a podcast the summer before I got pregnant, the months preceding my pregnancy, literally, I was going through a really tough breakup. And so I decided that I wanted to, um, in an effort to get out my ideas more and to kind of really explore what I wanted to do when I went back to school for my PhD, I started a podcast and four years later, here I am still building this brand, still pouring in a lot of my energy into it and just trying to make it into the best possible thing ever. So I'm here and typically I always start my seasons out in September and I go for the duration of the school year, like the calendar year. So literally from about September to about May or June, then I stop and take a break for the summer. But I am back and I am happy to be back. Um, I have a lot to talk about. There have been a lot of changes in my life over the past couple of months since we last got together. When I last talked to you guys, I think I was in Los Angeles and I had filmed a podcast with one of my really good friends, one of my best friends, Edwin, about um, BGLOs and homophobia. It was really cool. A lot of people were really responsive to it um, because that's such a, a, a huge problem in black Greek life and in Greek life in general. Homophobia is a disease that continues to fester and infect our society for sure. Um, but this season, because of all the different changes that I've had, um, I'm still talking about colorism, of course, because it's one of my chief research interests. I am going to focus a lot on family dynamics this season because I am teaching a class called the sociology of the family um, at a university as part of um, an assistantship that I was awarded for the school year. So I'll be talking a lot about my experiences as a single mother, family dynamics, uh, so on and so forth. They're really incorporating a lot of that into this season. And I can't really, I just, I can't wait to just discuss some of my ideas and get that information and that content out to you guys. And I will probably spearhead that and start that off with episode two of season four. Today, I want to talk about (laughs) the conviction of Robert Kelly. I had other plans to just kind of do an introduction, uh, and I'm going to do that as well too, but I really would like to talk a lot about um, R. Kelly, and we're definitely going to spend probably the second half of this podcast really diving into the man, R. Kelly, and and the things that he's been doing for the past 30, 35 years. Um, this isn't the first time I've talked about him on my podcast. I actually invited two guests. The last time I podcasted about R. Kelly, which was probably, I think, like two or three years ago. And this is when Surviving R. Kelly had come out and people were... Who, who weren't familiar with his shenanigans and his bullshit were not, um, you know, they were shocked. Whereas me, myself and my family, um, you know, we had we had heard the whispers about Aaliyah and we had heard the whispers about the tape, the, the first tape that came forward in 2002 where he went to trial for the child pornography charges. But we don't get into that. Anyways, 2020 was awful. Uh, 2021 has not really proven to be much better. You know, it's interesting for me, and I think about this a lot. Um, Good things are always happening for me. Like, even when I don't realize it, and that's probably true for a lot of people, and at the same time that all these different good things are happening, I am usually 
overcoming obstacles, going through little struggles, many struggles, sometimes bigger struggles. Um, and that's never been more true this year. It literally has been the best of times while also being the worst of times. 2020 was much the same. Um, boss my life up in many different ways, was blessed to come into a lot of different bags, um, continued on with my education, finished up all my coursework, passed my qualifying examination. Now I'm in the proposing stage and I'll probably be done with that in December and then moving into actually writing my dissertation and knocking that off the ballpark and finishing up my PhD. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this in my podcast, but I'm still in my house. I signed a two-year lease, so I'll be here for a little while longer for quite a while longer. <laughs> um, baby Celeste is three now, three and a half next month, actually on the 20th. Um, I'm at a new job that I started last year that I really like, uh, making significantly more money, which is always a blessing in addition to teaching at a university. So that's, that's a separate source of income, uh, still doing my styling, still keeping consistent clients, multiple clients, um, that continue to keep booking me for different projects that they're doing and also expanding my customer base and getting ready to launch my website for bad bees and PhDs and also launch this thrift store and some merch and some other stuff. Got a lot of stuff in the works and I'm happy. A lot of it will probably not come out for months from now, but I'm talking about it. I'm speaking into existence and I am definitely, definitely doing the work behind the scenes to make sure everything comes to fruition. Um, what else is new? That's a lot. Um... So some of the negative downer things, uh, my mom broke her ankle earlier this year. The break was really bad. A lot of her tissue ended up dying. My mom has been chronically ill since I was nine, but a lot of the tissue in her leg ended up dying to the point that she had to get um, part of her leg amputated. That's been a struggle. She's been in the hospital since June. Um, she'll probably be there, looks like until probably sometime in November um, before she's able to come home with all the, the different supports that she needs. Um, and we're hoping that she's able to come home with all the different supports that we can put in place for her people to come into the house and help her with her meals, her mobility while I'm at work, because I do work full time. I'm a teacher. Um, also, more recently, and this isn't, I guess, more recently, well, about a week and a half ago, my father had triple bypass surgery in his heart. He's been experiencing a bunch of issues this past year. He's been in and out of the hospital. Finally, um... It got so bad that they were like, no, we need to operate on you immediately. So they operated on him. We went to Houston, made an emergency trip this past week to go check on him. And he is doing well. He's making slow progress. I got an update yesterday. Is it yesterday? It was yesterday. And he's coming out of sedation following simple commands and becoming more alert and more aware of his surroundings, which is always good. So he has a long road of recovery. Both my parents have a very long roads of recovery. Um, you know, I turned 30 in July, so I'm in my thirties now, I'm part of the 30 club. I'm grown and sexy, been that, but you know, certified now. Um, it is interesting to watch your parents get older. I've always watched my mom since I was nine years old, watch my mom struggle with a variety of different illnesses and have periods where she's very, very sick damn near on the verge of death um and then usually bounces back um it's scary to watch your parents go through stuff like that because as you get older you realize that time does not slow down um your parents are also getting older and they often are getting sicker 
They often start experiencing problems they didn't experience before. You often have to shift your life to accommodate them. Um, and it's difficult and it's a lot to take in. Um, you know, I've been a caretaker for my mom at various stages of my life. And so is my older sister. And I will be talking about that a lot. Um, as I continue to go in, you know, expand into my studies and my various research interests and the different things that I want to write about and research once I do attain my PhD and in the road to attaining my PhD. So I can't wait to really dive into that, but I have a lot to say. You know, black women wear so many hats and um, we do so much for ourselves, for our children, for our families. We give so much and um, there's a lot to be said about the lived experience of black women, intersectionality and how we have to often be very, very malleable and shiftable in the way that we lived our, shiftable even the word, but the way that we live our lives. So I can't wait to really dive into that this season in a variety of different ways. Um, my students, uh, I like both sets of my students, my high school students and my college students. They have lots of really great things to contribute to the world and contribute to these larger conversations that we're having about the way that families function work-life balance, um, responsi- the various responsibilities that people have and how that affects the way that they're able to walk through life in a daily on a daily basis. So, yes. Um, what other updates do I have before I dive into this discussion about Robert Kelly's nasty ass? Um, yeah, just stay tuned with Bad Me's and PhDs because I'm about to start selling some stuff and I think you guys will really really like it all right so let's dive into what I want to talk about today Robert Kelly so first and foremost um I have never really been a huge Robert Kelly fan I've always known about his musical achievements and accomplishments and I've more so been fans of the people that he's written music for which I think is also a testament to his talent. Like what we will not do is say that he's not talented. Like he is talented, he's musically talented. But I want to be very clear about something that does not excuse him um, of the crimes that he's committed for literally multiple decades against black girls and women. Um, but his his R&B catalog is pretty stacked. And so there are very few artists that came out of the 90s without having R. Kelly in some way contribute to their careers. And so we, um, you know, as we dissect some of the things that he's done, um, it's really important to like really acknowledge how broad and how wide his scope has been. Now that's both artistically, but it's also to say how much of a reach and how much of a hand and how much access he's had to young black artists and young black women for a very long time, which is scary considering the type of crimes that he was just convicted of. They don't know what type of time he's about to serve. Um, he has a count. I know, what was it? I read it today because I've, I've literally been keeping up with this case. Like every time somebody in the trial comes up to testify, BuzzFeed News has been doing a really good job of, did a really good job of just kind of recording everyone who came forward with this trial and some of the various things that they wanted to say and contribute to um, what he's been doing. And like, it's scary, y'all. There has been a very, very stark pattern in the way that he has targeted young women and girls and vulnerable families um, over the past 30, 35 years. It is 
literally like it was sickening how these people would come for these young women and young men because he it, it would also found out that he was also um sexually abusing a couple young men as well too but the people that came forward the types of things that he would that they were saying that he would make them do um and confess to is harrowing is really really harrowing um I do want to say this I saw somebody on Facebook that I knew from back home who made a good point and a lot of people who with good sense at least a lot of people with good sense have been saying this but you know make sure we keep the focus on him and what he's done people like what about these parents what about the parents I'm not saying these parents aren't wrong especially if they were doing some dubious shit and pimping their children out to him but that doesn't take away from the fact that this man is still a pedophile a rapist um a serial sexual assaulter just I mean, it is heinous, the type of things this man has been doing for the past um, three decades. Like, it's it's sick. It is really sick. But um, I think his conviction, you know, we saw in 2018 with the rise of the Me Too movement and people really being forced to take accountability for the various ways that they have assaulted and abused people over the past, you know, over their careers, how they've blacklisted people and kept them from being able to make a bag and to get opportunities to be able to advance in their careers. You know, it's a reckoning. It's definitely a reckoning. And it needs to be a reckoning because the type of stuff isn't okay. And the only reason, the only people in my not humble opinion, in my very strong opinion, the only people that have a problem with that are people who are still very much married to this idea that men are entitled and that men should be able to do what they want, especially men with money and with power. R. Kelly's money and his power, regardless of how talented he is, regardless of how much we like his music, his music, the money that he made for music enabled him to do all of this. And so when we talk about detaching the artists um, from their art, I don't think in many ways that's going to be possible, especially in this case. I, I haven't seen a case yet where I think it's possible. If I do, I will be honest and come forward and say that. But typically, I don't see that. Um, R. Kelly is a monster. And so when we listen to his music, we continue to support his artistry. We are enabling him. Not so much anymore because I guess he's about to be in jail for, probably for the rest of his life. But um, when you listen to his music and when you support him in any in any way, what you are essentially doing is enabling him to do really really messed up things to people who are undeserving to people who are vulnerable um i want to talk about vulnerable families for a second because i think when we talk about sexual abuse victims um it's really important to again mention that intersectionality most um sexual abuse victims are poor so let's start there uh, i'm not saying that if a family in any case or instance made some type of weird agreement with him that they would pay that they that he would pay them for access to their daughter that that's in any way okay because that's that's basically that's that is trafficking right trafficking your own child but i will say that i think people like r kelly people who are serial abusers they are very adept at looking at people who are lacking in resources and essentially putting them in a position where it's very hard for them to say no um many of these girls did not have good family homes, did not have good family support systems, and he utilized that very much so against them. Um, anybody that they did have any type of attachment to, he took them took them away from you know those people and basically put in place all these different rules and systems where they were increasingly being isolated from people that could have helped them or people that cared about them. <sighs> Ooh, child. 
um, as a mother with a young daughter who I will literally go to the ends of the world for to protect, to nurture, to make sure that she lives a quality life, lives a life that honors God. I cannot fundamentally will not support someone like R. Kelly. Um, because the fact of the matter is, is that some of these girls, like, you know, these people who want to, who want to come to his defense, well, the parents were selling their children, trafficking their children to him. Yeah, but baby, baby, there was a lot of girls that that wasn't the case. He was going and recruiting these girls himself. He was having people do it for them. Their their parents were no one in the equation. Their parents were trying to contact their children, trying to get their children back. So what do you say about those cases? Like, yeah, there may be, there may have been some cases where parents were, may have had something to do with the fact that R. Kelly even had access to their children, right? But what about all those girls whose parents had nothing to do with that? And he was, he was the one, the people who worked for him, his minions and his, his, his goons were the ones who were recruiting these girls and bringing them into the fold, what do we say about that? There's no excuse for that. And that's why when people are saying fundamentally keep the focus on R. Kelly, there is a reason for that. This man is responsible for a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of pain, a lot of confusion, a lot of trauma. Um, wow. I mean, I consider myself... As someone who grew up, you know, in a, in a home where it was predominantly my mother who raised me, my dad wasn't really around. That's just the facts. And, you know, that's not any type of, you know, shade towards anyone in my family, but my dad wasn't around. As someone who grew up in a household where a mother raised two girls with the help of my grandfather and my grandmother, you know, I, I take great pride in being a black woman. And I also am a fierce, fierce, fierce protector of black girls and black women. We are the most marginalized group in the world. It's just, you know, and I'm not, we don't wear this title with a badge of honor. It's the truth as women, as black women. And when you get into like, even like, you know, when you start to take the the category of black women and start to even subdivide it into smaller categories, you know, somebody has to stand up for us. And if nobody else does, I definitely will dedicate my life, my research, my intellectual capabilities, all of that to making sure that someone is in black women's corner because somebody needs to be. <sighs> um, I can't wait till May, 2022. Cause that's when they're supposed to sentence him. So he's going back to jail for what is this? September about to be October. So he's going back to jail for the next nine months before they sentence him and we get to see like what um, type of time they're about to give him. I mean, typically with racketeering charges, I want to say from my very limited legal knowledge, I can't say super limited. It's, it's decent compared to like the general American public. But a racketeering charge usually carries a, a, a sentence, I think, like 40 years. And then he got he has eight other charges of like kidnapping and some other shit and then he has he has a set of charges in two other states where he also um is you know they haven't even haven't even you know gotten to that yet so he's looking at some pretty extensive time it is my guess that he's probably going to spend the rest of his life in prison and i don't think there's going to be no bill cosby situation where he gets out and it's like oh he's out no i don't think so 
Not in this case. I think uh, they're about to put him away. And if they do bring him out of prison, I will be very disappointed because he's dangerous. Um, A lot of the women, a lot of his victims came forward and have expressed the type of threats that they've had to endure to be quiet and how they've been silent literally for years, how they were forced to sign all these different non-disclosure agreements, some real, real wild shit, y'all. Um, and I, I just really hope that at the end of the day, um, that they are able to get some type of comfort from his conviction Um, it's a lot, but that's pretty much all I wanted to say today. We're going to keep it short, 20 minutes, wrap it up. Welcome back to season four and I will see you guys again in a couple weeks. Take care.